As we deal with the seven-sealed scroll in Revelation chapter 6, we actually see six of the seals broken in this chapter. The seventh won't be broken until Revelation chapter 8. The one breaking the seals is the Lamb of God. And it's interesting how when he breaks the seals, it parallels a sermon that Jesus gave called the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. We're going to be matching that up as we move through Revelation 6 and look at the future of our world, the time of trouble leading up to the day of the Lord. We'll deal with the seven-sealed scroll today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's part two of Revelation 6, The Seven Seals. When you read things about the Antichrist and other passages in 2 Thessalonians, in the book of Daniel, you can see that military conquest is part of what he does. He's ruling with an iron fist. Uh, but he looks like a good guy, at least at first. There seems to be, you know, scholars l- like to talk about a peace treaty that he signs with Israel, and maybe even he has some role in helping with the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem and all of these kinds of things. As, ja- as uh, Matthew records the Olivet Discourse, and this is the other place I asked you to be in, we're just gonna, we're just gonna flip back and forth to compare Revelation 6 with Matthew 24. I want you to see what Jesus had to say about these times. And we're going to draw a comparison between the seals of Revelation 6 and the words of Jesus in the Olivet Discourse. So Matthew 24, and Jesus is answering the question that's uh, given to him in verse 3. He was sitting on the Mount of Olives, Matthew 24, 3, Jesus was. This is why this is called the Olivet Discourse. The disciples came to him privately I think another uh, text tells us that it was Peter, James, and John. And they said, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, this is the last week of Jesus' life. He's in the temple area. They've just looked at the temple buildings. They're very impressive. Jesus just told them, these buildings that you're so impressed with are going down. And they ask him a question. They said, tell us, when will these things be? In other words, When's Jerusalem going to be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming? The word coming there is an important word to learn. It's a Greek word called parousia. P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. And it speaks of the presence of Christ returning. And then they ask a third question. What will be the sign of your coming? And what's your Bible say there? The end of the age. The end of what age? Well, I would tell you it's the end of this age. This age that we live in now will be summed up. Some people, you know, like to talk about dispensations and so forth, but we've all heard about the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ, which is mentioned six times in Revelation 20. That reign of Christ will start a new age. You could call it the golden age. The Jews like to call it the golden age or the thousand-year reign of Christ. So this age, they say, when will it end? What will be the sign that surrounds it? And Jesus responds, he says, verse 4, Matthew 24. He says, see to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead how many? Many will be misled. Now the first horse and rider, everybody look up at the screen. We've identified as who? Who? 
the Antichrist, when Jesus gives the Olivet Discourse answering questions about the last days, the first thing that he mentions is don't be misled by people who say that they are the Christ. Someone who is claiming to be the Messiah, don't be misled. So we draw a parallel between seal number one and the first statement that Jesus makes in Matthew 24. Everybody with me so far? This is how this is going to work. So you could write in your Bible safely here, seal number one in Matthew 24. Write it right next to that verse because Jesus has said the same thing that John says and John was there when Jesus gave this sermon or this, he responded to this question. Take a peek for a moment to the next book. It's Mark 13. This Olivet Discourse is recorded in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Just to give it a little bit more detail, same same uh, message, same location, Mark 13, 6, Jesus says, many will come in my name saying what? I am. Do you notice in your Bible, you probably have he italicized? Apparently, there's going to be many coming in his name saying simply, I am. Whose name is that? <laughs> That's the name of God. And they will mislead many. Now, we know that there's been the David Koreshes of our time. There's been people who have had Messiah complexes. But over the period of years, from the time of Jesus and even before he showed up on the scene, there were Messiah-like figures showing up in Israel claiming to be the Messiah. They had gained a certain amount of followers. Many of them you know, were dealt with severely by Rome. There's been messianic pretenders all throughout history. But this first rider is going to kind of be the ultimate antichrist. Many antichrists have gone in, into the world, First John tells us, but this one will be the end all. He will be the antichrist. Everybody with me so far? And Jesus identifies this and so does um, John. Now, one more on this, 2 Thessalonians, which is to your right, 2 Thessalonians, we're going to see symmetry between Paul, Jesus, and John, 2 Thessalonians, pick it up at chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians in the New Testament outside of Revelation has the most information about the day of the Lord and the rapture, and Paul is dealing with some misunderstanding going around the Thessalonian church in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. He says, now, 2, 1, now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming, there's that Greek word parousia, the second coming of Christ. I'm going to argue that there's not going to be two comings. There's one second coming. It's singular. We'll talk about that more in a moment. With regard to the coming, parousia, of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. What's that sound like? If we're gathered together to the Lord at the second coming, what's that sound like? The rapture, right? That you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now, would you all underscore, if you haven't done this before, everybody underscore the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a very specific phrase in the Bible. If you want to do this later, if you want to get more study on this, Go ahead and run in your concordance the day of the Lord. You will see numerous Old Testament authors talk about the day of the Lord. Isaiah will talk about it. Zechariah talks about it. Amos talks about it. It's going to be all through your Old Testament. Ezekiel talks about it. 
The day of the Lord is the time of divine visitation for judgment. In fact, over and over again, the Old Testament and New Testament writers say the day of the Lord will not be light, it will be darkness. It will be a day of doom, a day of dark clouds, a day of wrath. It will be a serious day when God's vengeance comes. In the book of Joel, it's compared to a phenomenon that happened back in the day of Joel with a locust army that invaded and devastated the land. And in embryo, in type, that happening in the book of Joel pictures the ultimate day of the Lord, just like these previous antichrists pictured this final antichrist. There will be a final day, the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is the day of judgment when God comes back to redeem the planet, to deal with the ungodly. But before he does that, he is going to save his people. He's going to rescue his people. And so that's, uh, that's the day of the Lord. Now notice it says, let no one in any way deceive you. Sounds a lot like what Jesus said. For it, in context, that's the day of the Lord. It will not come unless what happens? The apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction. Now, I think you can safely write in your Bible there, that's the Antichrist. Paul says, the day of the Lord, this second coming, this divine visitation for wrath will not come until two things happen. One, there is going to be some sort of apostasy. When you hear that word apostasy, to apostasize means to defect. It means to move away from a previously held position or stance. When we call someone apostate, that means they made a profession of faith and moved away from it. They defected from it. Now, whether they were a true or false convert is another discussion. Who really knows if someone's converted? Do we know? We have an idea. We can test fruit and all of that. But the only one who really knows if someone's born again is who? It's God. So apostasy, an apostate is a defector. Someone who moves away. Paul says the day of the Lord is not coming until uh, what I would consider a mass apostasy happens, a mass defection, if you will, from a previously held position or stance. And number two, this man of lawlessness is what? Is revealed. Now, who's our first horse and rider? The man of lawlessness, the son of perdition. In what way is he revealed? Well, for, he's gone out bent on conquest. Do people really know what he's about at this point in our chronology in Revelation 6? That's up for debate. But this, this one, this Antichrist, opposes, verse 4, and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Visit The Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. 
Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Now, if the book of Revelation and 2 Thessalonians and Matthew 24 are all ahead of us, and we've made an argument in the beginning of this study that the proper dating of the book of Revelation is around 95 AD. That means Jerusalem has already fallen in 25 years before that. And everything in the book of Revelation beyond, let's call it beyond chapters, uh, let's just say chapters 6 through 19 is yet future to us then that appears, taking Revelation 6, and if you go back there with 2 Thessalonians and Matthew 24, that what's ahead of us is a rebuilt temple. Some of you wonder, why do they always talk about a temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem? Well, this, this Antichrist is going to take him seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God, and demand what? Worship. He will not put up with any so-called gods. Any object of worship that is any, in any way a rival of his will be put aside, and he wants worship. Antichrist is going to be kind of the puppet or tool of Satan. What did Satan ask Jesus to do in the temptation? Just bow down and worship me. What in Isaiah 14, when, when we have the five I will statements of, of uh, Lucifer, what does he say he's going to do? Raise his place above the stars. He, he's going to make himself just like God. He's going to put himself in God's category. And God says, no, you ain't. And he gets thrown down, right? And so it was his, that was his sin of pride and exaltation. He, he's still been trying to win the world. Right now, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 calls him the God of this world or the God of this age. So in some ways, I guess he's gotten what he's desired. The second seal is broken in Revelation 6, verse 3. When he, Jesus, broke the second seal, right in your Bible, seal number 2, I heard the second living creature, another one of these cool creatures in heaven, saying, come or be going. So the creature, seraphim, cherubim, calls out the second horse. They go in concert with one another. And another, a red horse, so the first was white, the second is red. Red, uh, if you have the ESV, it says bright red. The New King James and NIV say fiery red. Some see here red like the color of blood. He went out. He's told, be going. And out he goes. And to him who sat on it, it was granted. This is another divine passive. It was given. The crown was given earlier. Now it's granted to take peace from the earth. When you take peace from the earth, what do you have? War. And that men should slay one another. And a great or large sword was given to him. So if you look up at the screen for a second, the second horse and rider is red. His implement is a sword. He's called out by the angel. Be going. And out he goes. And now his role or his position here is to take peace from the earth. The first horse and rider is bent on military conquest. He goes out, Antichrist. Second horse and rider, there's war. It's a natural progression. The Antichrist wants to dominate militarily, and the second horse just comes behind him, and there's war. War breaks out. 
men begin to destroy and kill one another. They're slaying each other. Uh, go to Matthew 24, and I would just encourage you, hold a spot in Matthew 24, because I want to see if what Jesus says mirrors what John says. So let's take a look. Matthew 24, we're going to look at verse 6. Jesus says, after he addresses the first part of this, he says, verse 6, Matthew 24, you will be hearing of what? Of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Now, the second horse and rider is war. And Jesus said, you will be hearing of war. So I think so far we can see a symmetry. Would you agree? You could write in your Bible, seal number two from Revelation 6. And Jesus says, but it's not yet the end. The end is not yet. Write this down for your notes. This is Daniel 12, 13. The last verse of the book of Daniel says, as for you, Go your way to the end, that you will enter rest, enter into rest, and rise again, for your allotted portion is at the end of the age. Daniel 12, verse 13. Take a peek at Matthew 13, just a little ways back. Matthew 13. Take a look at me, with me, and not at me, but with me, <laughs> um, to verse 39 of Matthew 13. Verse 39 Matthew 13. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is what? Is the end of the age. The reapers are angels. Now this end of the age phrase, I would, I would tell you that I believe that's simply another way to say the day of the Lord. He's going to end the age, if you will. Therefore, just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so it shall be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks, those who commit lawlessness. will cast them into the furnace of fire. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field or that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Skip down to verse 49 for the sake of time. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous. And will cast them, the wicked, into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, Jesus said when he comes, he's going to come in the glory of his Father and with all his angels. That's Matthew 25, I think it's verse 31. And the angels are going to be very involved in the last days. The angels are involved with the rapture, as we will see, and they're involved with the judgment of God. We can see angels involved uh, in other parts in the Bible in carrying off Lazarus into Abram's uh, bosom or Abraham's bosom in Luke 16. We can also see angels carrying out God's bidding and so forth uh, in terms of judgment. And so they're going to be very involved. Now, so far we've seen a symmetry, and we're going to go back to Revelation 6 and see what happens with this third seal now. So you got Revelation 6, we're in verse 5. I'm, gonna, I'm moving a bit methodically because I want you to catch the drift of where we're headed. So 
When he broke, Jesus breaking again the third seal, seal number three, I heard the third living creature in parallel with the third rider saying, come or be going. And I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. A pair of scales refers to something for weighing. So everybody look up at the screen. White horse, red horse, black horse. The implement, a little hard to see on the screen, but you'll notice in his right hand he has a pair of scales. And the pair of scales in his hand are for measuring. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures. We're in the throne room, so many believe this is the voice of God, saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, that is, a whole day's work for a loaf of bread, basically, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Oil and wine, the staples of the day, some say for the wealthy and not so much for the poor. The rider on the black horse has scales. He measures out wheat and barley, two of the major crops in the spring for Israel. And he, this black horse symbolizes famine, famine. Um, a quart translates a Greek word which measures about a liter, uh, one and I think it's one and a half to two pints. The black horse symbolizes famine. One quart of wheat would be enough for only one person. Three quarts of the less nutritious barley would be barely enough for a small family. The idea here is famine has severely inflated prices at least 10 times their normal level. When you have military conquest and war and men slaying each other, and in ancient times especially, the land would be ravaged in war, crops would be damaged in times of war, you would expect that after war comes what? Famine. We can even see in some places today where bombing has taken place or there's been civil wars in certain lands and there's probably over 100 wars still going on in our world, even now, what happens? Devastation to buildings, devastation to industry, devastation to crops. Obviously, people die. And so often the result of this is famine. Oil and wine may mean that the rich are still doing okay, but the common or the poor people are not doing well at all. Yes, the book of Revelation is getting heavy, isn't it? And one thing to keep in mind is that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, is breaking the seals. It shows us his sovereignty. It shows us that he has the church firmly in his grip. And as we see the Antichrist revealed and war, famine, uh, death, and martyrdom, you know, it could be unnerving. And, and we look to the future and we say, man, is this time of tribulation going to be for the church? And it could well be. But here's what we need to remember. Jesus has us firmly in his grip. And wrath is not for the church. And something just to keep in mind, that distinction between tribulation and wrath as we work through the book of Revelation. But be of good cheer, because Jesus is the one who has us in his grip and he will finish what he started in us. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and this study in Revelation chapter 6 about the seven seals has a lot to it. In fact, I dedicated two sermons, two individual sermons, to the content of this chapter because it's so important, as is really the rest of Revelation. So keep on listening. Tell a friend about what you're hearing, and make sure you tune into our radio broadcast or listen by podcast. Now, if you go to our website, you can order a DVD of this teaching as well. 
Visit walkintruth.com and you'll find a DVD on the seven seals of the book of Revelation. You can find out all the information. You can purchase a product at walkintruth.com. And when you do, you'll be partnering with us to help us reach more people like you. Hey, well, Vacation Bible School is off and running at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're excited. We have many kids here, and we're just excited to be reaching out to our community. Hey, if you'd like to be part of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, I've been telling you more and more about the church behind Walk in Truth in the city of Corona. You can find out information when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for that red logo with the pillars. And I want to cordially invite you out to come and spend Sunday with us in worship. If you don't have a home church, if you're curious about visiting this fellowship, we'd love to invite you. I happen to be going into 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter on Sunday mornings. It's going to be a great study. It's something that we all need to hear and put into practice. And the services are at 9 and 11, 15 a.m. this coming Sunday. You're cordially invited, you and your family. And remember, you can find out all the information when you go to walkintruth.com, click on that visit tab, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app. I would love to meet you. I want to thank you in advance for praying for us, partnering with us on Walk in Truth, and come back on Tuesday when we dive into more of the teaching of the seven seals in the book of Revelation. Tell a friend about what you're hearing, and we'll catch you tomorrow on the program. God bless you. Remember, to learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, podcast, or to donate, visit walkintruth.com. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.